Can you relate to that? Where God is, uh, he's after you about something, he's after you about something, and you want to kind of follow God, but you don't want to take that path. You don't want to go down that particular road or take that step. Um, When I was, we're going to come back to that a little little bit. When uh, Erica was probably fourth grade, uh, no, I think she was maybe four years old, we got to go to uh, Disney World. And uh, we got to go to a 3D theater, which we had never been to before. She'd never been before. And Lori and I ended up not watching the movie most of the time, but watching Erica, who sat down in the front row, and the entire movie she was going. It was so real. It was 3D. It was three-dimensional. And we... We interact with dimensions all the time. The first dimension is just uh, length, just a straight line. That's one dimension. And then you add to it uh, height, and that makes a second dimension. Then you add to it depth, and that makes a third dimension. And so you, you see things or the way you perceive things. It almost, it really feels like, okay, wait a minute. There didn't used to be space there, but now there's space. I can enter into that place. I've gone into that dimension and they, they talk about that they, they think there's a fourth dimension. It has something to do with time. And that's when they begin to get into time travel. And, and, and I read that they actually have gone all the way to ten dimensions. That they think there are ten dimensions. By the time you get to the tenth one, it gets really, really weird. But there, there's these dimensions. We live in, in dimensions. And we often interact with God. As though there's, there's certain dimensions that he lives in, but certainly not other places. Now, I'm not talking about what you would say. I'm not talking about what you would say you believe. I'm talking about what we live, how we interact with prayer and with God. That I'm going to live in, in this dimension, so I've I got my financial life. Does God know or understand that dimension? That, that area. I've got my marriage. I've got my parenting. I've got my work life. I've got my friends. I've got my hobbies. Then we have a whole nother dimension. That's the dimension that we never talk about. That's our thought life. That's our worry life. There's many of us who have a past, and things have happened in that past that that we believe we only go to that place. It's almost as if we have rooms in our heart, right? These places that we go and we move to and move from. And in our prayer life, many times, We don't really act like God is in those dimensions. And so the first thing that we're going to jump into today is that God is a multidimensional God. He doesn't live in one dimension. He lives in multiple dimensions. We see it in God's creation. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature 
There are things about God that you can't see. You don't see God directly, but you absolutely see who he is and his qualities and his eternal power. They have been clearly seen in what has been made so that men are without excuse. I love science. I love biology. I love history. I love going into nature and viewing it and watching it and be amazed by it. One of the funnest things that's, that's happened most recently was that, that people said, uh, listen, that didn't really happen from God. That happened another way. But did you know that mathematically, if you just look at it mathematically, that creation is unbelievably complex and it's all built on solid math. Consistent principles and solid math. Somebody came up with, what are the chances that the kind of evolution or the kind of, of change that we've seen in the billions of years that they, they say that the world is, what are the chances that that could actually happen? Came up with a great number. It's 10 to the 70th power to one, which means mathematically that could never have happened. Someone had to create it. And then you just look at the complexity of the biology. How just the cell alone is amazing in terms of, of, of what God has done, what he has created, the complexity of how it all works together, ecosystems, all of that stuff. It's a blast to study that. Why? Because you can see God is multidimensional. He understands he's created and he exists in multiple dimensions. Listen to this. Can you fathom the limits and bounds of greatness and power of God? The sky is no limit for God. It lies beyond your reach. Now, when this was written, people were like, the, the sky does, it's beyond our reach. But not for us. We can take a ship and go right through the sky. And you know what we found on the other side? Woo! Way bigger than we ever thought it was. And it's beyond our reach. God knows the world of the dead. Now, we as human beings, we think we're pretty smart. We think we've discovered a lot of things. And we know nothing about the world of the dead. I know some of you are into the, uh, can't remember what they're called. Uh, but you do not know it. God's greatness is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. We see it in Jesus we see it in Jesus' incarnation. Incarnation is when God became flesh. It's when incarnation is to take on a body and for the spirit to take on a body. The word became a human being and lived among us. What's the big deal about that? Well, God can only exist as a spirit. No, he's multidimensional. He existed as a spirit and became fully human. We saw his glory, and we, he, he was full of grace and truth. Oftentimes people might say, hey, I, I, I don't believe in God. you got to show me who he is. You gotta and when they say that, they're talking about the dimension that they understand. Show me in the dimension that I understand who God is. 
And people go, well, no one's ever seen God. That's not true. Jesus is God. He could have come as a cow if he wanted to communicate with cows. He could have come as a dog if he wanted to communicate with dogs. He could have come as an ant if he wanted to communicate with an ant. He came as a human being because he wanted to communicate with you. He went into a dimension that you could understand. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is a crazy dimension. In other words, he could become human and at the same time be God and never change. Grace and peace to you from him who, excuse me, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. He could be human and be eternal at the same time. Multiple dimensions. We see it in the Holy Spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. Have you ever seen the wind? You're like, yeah, I saw what it did. No, no, you saw what it did. You've never seen the wind. You feel the wind, but you've never seen it. Prove to me there's wind. Let me see it. Well, the truth is, in your dimension, you can't see it. You can only see what it does. That's what the Holy Spirit's like. That's the way it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. Next passage says, He, he does wonders that cannot be understood. He does so many miracles, they cannot be counted. When he passes me, I can't see him. When he goes by me, I don't recognize him. Now, the beauty of the Spirit is that you've experienced this. I mean, since you were young. Since you were young, someone inside of you has talked to you, and you know it's not you. You may not have known it was the Holy Spirit, but it was. And now, even now, if you haven't dulled your ears completely, you still hear the Spirit speak to you. And many times you're like, well, I'm just talking to myself. But no, the Holy Spirit is speaking in you. We got a chance to take a look at a little bit about what this looks like or how this, this works. This here is a simple water jug. This is one we used back there, right? You can see clearly it's just an empty water jug. I mean, that's the dimension that we see then. Unless, that was really cool, unless there's something going on there that you don't know at all because it's in another dimension. So, in your life, in your fear, in your delights, in your sin, in your shame, in your dreams, does God, is God interested in all of those? Is he there? Does he want to help? 
you see, this is, this is amazing. This truth, this next truth is amazing. Because God is multidimensional, I am never alone. You might feel alone because the dimension you're looking in, you can't see God. But you're not alone. Listen to this passage. Where would I go to escape from you? Where could I ever get away from your presence? If I went up to the heavens, you'd be there. If I lay down in the world of the dead, you'd be there. If I flew way beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you'd be there to lead me. You'd be there to help me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. But even darkness is not dark for you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. In Jose's story, right? Jose really basically said this. I said to God, you can't see me. You can't see me. Have you ever gone someplace you're not supposed to be? And before you get out of the car, you kind of have this little conversation with God. I'm going to go in there now. You can't come. This place I'm going to go, you can't come. This temptation I'm going to partake of, you, you can't come. I'm sure, I'm sure you don't want to be there. You are never alone. Maybe you are facing something very hard, and, and you don't understand it, and you don't understand why God has let this happen. And, and maybe you have something in your past that you just cannot get over, and you don't understand it, and you don't understand why God would let that happen. And so you think you're alone. Not at all. When I work with people who've been abused, the, the very most foundational thing they, thing they believe is that while they were being abused, God wasn't there. That in that dimension, he's not there. That's not true. You are never alone. Why? Because there is no place you will ever go or ever be or ever think that God not, does not understand it and cannot help in that place. So what's this have to do with pray, praying? Well, let's, let's have some fun with this. So let's, let's look at different ways and places that we can go and pray from or pray about. And so first is this, how to pray in five dimensions as I pray. I look backward to the cross. We're going to have uh, communion together in a little bit. And this is kind of a preparation for, you, for, this, for this time in communion. I look backward to the cross. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. I love that. I love that. You, you, we so often think, like Jose said, I mean, I'm, I'm going after these things because I think if I lose these things, I won't have an, I'll have an empty life. When the truth is, if I would get, let go of them and grab a hold of Christ, I would, then my life is full. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The cross reminds me how deeply God loves me. He gave his only begotten son for you. He gave his most precious possession for you. It also reminds me how costly evil and sin is. It's a big deal. When we take communion, I'm going to challenge you about this. What sin or behavior 
or language or attitude? Are you hiding from God? You think you've put it away in that little box? And you either think, I'm going to get away with this, or you think God can't handle this. Or you think, I can't let go of it. If I do, I'll have an empty life. And God keeps tapping you on the heart and going, that's got to go. I want to deal with that. I want you to bring that to me. How do we know that sin is so costly? Because the only way it could be paid for was for the Son of God, the God of the universe, to give his life and his body and his blood to pay for this thing you're hanging on to. And how completely I'm forgiven. When we look back at the cross, when we do take that sin to the cross, when we take what we're hiding to the cross, it's gone. It is forgiven 100%. God never looks back at it again. It's gone. It's kind kind of similar to what we just watched. It's gone. Number two, I look upward to my Father's loving face. You should not act like cowering, fearful slaves. That's awesome. Do you think of God that way? Do you think of God coming to you and listen, this is a great day. I love you. Stop cowering and acting like a fearful slave. We got something to live for. Let's go. Since God's Spirit has adopted you as children into God's family, instead, by His Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And God's Spirit affirms that we really are His children. I'm going to encourage you to do this right now. Everybody in the room, put your hands up and look up. Your Father. God is your Father. And He loves you. Put your hands down. And listen to this. And since we are now God's child... We're also heirs with Christ and will share in both his suffering and his glory. God wants my prayers to be personal. Abba, Daddy. You may not have had that kind of dad. You, you may not have had the kind of dad that you couldn't wait to go see. You knew he would protect you. You knew if anything went wrong, my dad... I can trust him. He's my daddy. Listen to this. This is a dimension that God lives in. He is the perfect dad. Everything you ever dreamed your dad would be, that's who he is. And to cry out or be passionate. For some of you, your personality is such that when, when you pray, you mumble. And it fits your personality. It's the way you do everything. Anything that's important to you, you're kind of, that's cool. But you know the rest of us, the most of us, when we get excited about something, we get louder. When we get excited about something, we kind of use our hands and we get to talking. And we're, you know that God wants you to come to him with that kind of passion? 
Even when you're mad, he wants you to come with the passion. And by his spirit, a partnership. A partnership is that, wait a minute, my spirit and God's spirit are one. And so when I talk to God, and I don't know what to say, and I'm not sure how to say it, I can just say to the spirit, God, can you talk to him for me? Can you tell him what I'm trying to say? Or you can say to the spirit, how do I say this? How do I ask for this? It's a partnership. Number three, I look inward to Jesus living inside of me. Now, this is not you looking inside of yourself. This is not you talking to yourself. You may get tired of me saying this. The worst thing you can do is talk to yourself. My answers are really bad. I lie to myself. There's all kinds of things. This is looking inside toward Jesus. The Bible says this, examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is living in you unless you failed the test. What's that mean? Did you, did you look inside yourself and you found out that in terms of your relationship with God, you really only talk to yourself. You've never met Christ as your personal Savior. This week was an incredible week in the life of Skyline. This week in groups, we had five people pray to move their trust from themselves to Jesus Christ and to God as their Father. That's incredible. It is. It's incredible. It's amazing. Now, this is Jesus' promise. The moment that person put their faith in Christ, he indwelled them. And so, that person and you, we looked up to God the Father. You get to bow your head and, and say to the Spirit, does, does Jesus live inside of me? And the answer is always yes. Once you become a believer, he lives inside of you. So you can say, Jesus, the prayer you can pray is, Jesus, produce the fruit of your spirit in me. In other words, grow fruit that I would be full of joy and full of love and full of self-control and full of patience. That's, that's an awesome. He lives in that dimension. I can look around me and ask the Holy Spirit to use me. The greatest thing about this week for me was I did not lead one of those people to accept Christ as their personal Savior. It happened in groups. In other words, God wants to use you. And this week, these groups got to be a part of what God was doing. Do you tend to look at life as though, hey, there's the pastor, you know, God uses that guy, and then there's the, the worship team, he uses them, and there's, some, there's a few other people in the church, he uses them to, to change people's lives, but you're not in that dimension. Not true in any way, shape, or form. God wants to use you, so you get to look all around the needs and the people around you and be able to say to the Spirit of God, God, use me. And the answer to that, that prayer is yes. Give yourself completely to God and every part of you since you've been given a new life and you want to be used as a tool in the hands of God, 
used for his good purposes. And number five, I look forward in faith to the future. I look forward in faith to the future. Do you? Now, you might say, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I'm always looking ahead. I'm always looking ahead. I don't, I don't mean the kind of thing where you don't want to deal with reality, so you're always hoping for tomorrow. This is kind of like what we do in social media. Social media, we start flipping through stuff. Our thumbs just flip to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's called, they call it the joy of the flip where you're actually looking for the next thing and you hope the next thing's better. And no matter what you find, you just keep flipping. You're always moving on. Or you're always, you're just so excited about the next stage of life because you think the next stage of life is when you'll finally find joy. That's when it'll all come together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that you know you're going to heaven. And you know you're going to be like Christ. One of the tough things in life as a, as a pastor, anybody who ministers to anybody, one of the tough things in life is this. You, and I do the same thing, will take a step in life and you will decide to tr trust Christ. And your life will start to go like this. You'll have joy. You start making wiser decisions. It's really cool. And then you hit something and you're like, meh. No, Jesus, I don't think I want to follow you on that. And it starts to go like this. And then people love on you and you, you hang around or you, you run away and you come back, just like Jose was talking about, right? And then... Man, oh man. You know what that's like with me? I have to live that with you. I live that with you. I'll go home some days, I'm like, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm not thinking about those people anymore. But you know what's undergirded by all of that? You know what's true in my life? You know what I know about you? I know something about you you probably don't know about you. It's this. I am confident of this, that God, who began a good work in you, will continue to complete it until it is finished on the day of Jesus Christ. What? Yeah. When you're doing this, I know that if you belong to Jesus, this is going to happen. I know it. And I know ultimately where you're going to end up is that's where you're going to, that's, that's the future. We get to look back and we look, look up and we look to get in and we look around and we look to the future. Why? Because you're never alone. God is in all those places. We're going to take communion now. So you should have some uh, cups there handy. If you're at home, if you would, grab your communion elements and uh, get ready for that. I've asked the worship team to come on out and uh, take, kind of be here with me so I'm not all alone up here by myself. I like us to be a family. I like us to be together when we do this. Yep, takes a little bit. It takes talent to open these. All right, this is where we start. Is there a sin, a worry, a habit, an attitude 
that you've been keeping in your own little box? Is there a lie you continue to believe that you have not brought to Christ? The reason that he gave his body was to set you free so you wouldn't live as cowards and as slaves. The Bible says this, For what I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I accept what your body has done for me. Here's my sin. I repent. I confess this is what I've done. This is what I've been doing. I need your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Let's take the bread together. Lord Jesus, speak loudly into the hearts of every one of us that you did not die to leave us here in our sin and so you are calling on us to bring it to you. Lay it at your feet, lay it at the cross. Give our eyes and hands and feet our entire bodies, all of it, to you to make pure and right and good. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This new covenant is that he lives within us. He indwells us. It's a relationship whereby there is no place, no place I will ever go that he does not go with me. But when we take the blood, here, here's the challenge. The challenge is when we take the blood that I've decided I no longer want Jesus to follow me. I want to follow him. I, I no longer want to decide where I'm going to go. I want to follow him. Wherever he calls me, whatever he calls me to do, I want to live my day-to-day -day life God's way. Knowing that the blood of Jesus has washed me clean, which gives me the power to do exactly that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, All of me is yours. I don't just want to be forgiven. I want to be pure. I want to be alive. 
I want to be powerful in your spirit. I want to live knowing and acting like you are everywhere. And wherever you lead, I will go. Thank you for shedding your blood, which gives me the power to do just that. Let's take the juice together. Lord Jesus, thank you for communing with us. Thank you that we are not alone. In your name we pray. Amen. So, how about your prayer life? Is there something in you that causes you to live your life that you think, okay, this is, my, this is the part of my life where I pray, and then there's my life? Is, is there a part of your life, a place in your life where you're like, God can't go there? Or today, do you see God is everywhere? He is in every dimension. He knows you. He's inviting you to pray to him about. When you wake up in the morning, he's inviting you to pray about your day, about you, what you're excited about, about what you're worried about, about relationships that are driving you crazy, about relationships that you are so in love and so excited about. And then all throughout the day, to be able to bring everything to him knowing you are not alone. There's no place he is not. And he has the power to help you in every one of those places. What are you going to do with this? The practical application of this is you're like, wait, no, what? This means I could pray all day, every day. which would be a great way to live. Let's pray. Lord, I am so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful that you are multidimensional. You're, you're not just everywhere. You're at work in everything. And you're ready to help in every place. So, Lord, I ask that in our people, in our church, in our family, in me, and each, each person that's listening to my voice right now, that we will continually look back and see you. We'll look up and take in your love. We'll look in and enjoy the power of your spirit inside of us. We'll look around and see the needs and, then, and instead of going, oh, oh, what's go somebody's got to do something, we'll pray 
and see you use us to make a difference. And for me, most of all, we'll always be able to look forward with joy and strength and power because we know where we're going. We know what you're doing. We know you can take everything, turn it for good, make us like you. Lord, you are mighty and wonderful and awesome. I love serving you. In your name we pray. Amen.